0: Okay, friends, let's go ahead and get started. If You can find your way to a seat, please. Again, thank you very much for being here for our uh, finale of our four-week mini-series on building our cultural intelligence. Uh, the whole gospel for the whole world has been this uh, mini-series name. so we're, again, we're very glad you're here. Uh, just a way of... Um, announcements uh, just double check to make sure your cell phone is on uh, silent or vibrate because we're recording uh, the series and if you have missed any of the series or if you want to re-listen to uh, any of the talks or look at that PowerPoint presentations uh, feel free to do that they're on our website and um, I've found them to be very helpful to go back and listen to them if you uh, as you have time Uh, we're also having a follow-up class right here in the fellowship hall for four weeks LJ is going to lead us. LJ is our missions pastor, and she's going to help us kind of go a little bit deeper uh, with the topics and some of the material that was presented in week number two, those demographic uh, tables that were very kind of hard to read. But we're going to drill down and look at those, plus, kind of answer any questions you might have about uh, any any of the information we've gone over. So this morning, um, Corey, Fakri, and are will be our, our teachers, so very excited to have them here. Thank you, Corey. And uh, on your chairs, you should have seen two index cards, so Corey will be giving you instructions about that. If you need index cards, um, Paul or myself will hand them out to you. And I think that's it. Okay. Okay, thank you all.
1: Okay, let me pray for us as we start. Father, thank you so much for the way that we can begin every week gathering to worship you. Thank you that no matter what's going on in our lives, whether life is going really well or whether life is going really terribly, we have this ordinary rhythm of beginning a new week together in worship, remembering who you are, that you are the Lord, the great God over all the earth, and that we are your people, and that that is the truest thing about ourselves, that we belong to you. Uh, We pray now that you would bless this time that we have together to wrap up this four-week class. Thank you for these wonderful folks who've committed to be here week after week, and we pray that you would enrich us now and give us wisdom and creativity for how we move forward. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have um, been so grateful for these weeks and for you all, Um, you know, this is a this is not an easy subject to dive into. Um, It's difficult, it's just difficult content, but it's also difficult personally to be challenged in ways that you've never thought about before. And so I just wanna express my gratitude to you that you have been willing to stay in the game for these four weeks and really grapple to learn some of the things that we've been learning about. Um, I have, because I had other things to do during the 10 o'clock service the last two weeks, I have not been able to be here the last um, two Sundays, but I listened to the full uh, lecture and everything, from first from um, LJ and Dan Reeves, um, and then last week from David Bailey. So let me just um, summarize, especially for those of you who maybe this is your first time here, as maybe a couple of you, or maybe if you've missed a couple of weeks, let me just summarize where we've been. Um, The reason why we are doing this class is a lot because of our strategic planning initiative that we're in right now. Um, Last year, when we went through a season of examining who we are and what are the biggest challenges that we face as a church, one of the things that came up is that we live in a a really changing city um, that is becoming more and more culturally diverse, especially the West End area, especially the 10-mile radius around where our particular location is, Um, and we long as a church to better reflect and reach, and I think those two words are key, better reflect and reach uh, the changing community that is around us. And so we have one particular team that we have nicknamed WG5 or Working Group 5 um, that is tasked with how are we going to do this together as a church? What are creative ways that God might be calling us to to engage as a church with this changing community that we're in? One of the things that they suggested was that we spend the Feb term studying um, the cultures, studying what the Bible says about culture and cultural diversity and cultural reconciliation, how we can grow in our own cultural intelligence so that we can be better in relationships and even practices of outreach to our surrounding community. Um, So that's why we've been doing this. Their their call early on, the mission statement of WG5 is to adapt Third's people and programs to better reach out with the gospel to Third's increasingly diverse local community, particularly internationals and the non-church, so that third reflects the diversity, commu- the diverse community around us and can reach or witness to the power of the gospel even more clearly. So the first week I taught on God's vision for cultural reconciliation. My goal in that first week was to convince you um, that this vision of cultural diversity and cultural reconciliation is not some Sort of progressive idea that has come up in the last 20 years, but is actually an ancient idea um, that is at the heart of the Bible itself. And I tried to follow the arc from Genesis to Revelation to see God's vision for a diverse humanity reconciled around Jesus. Um, and so we looked at that together and began to unpack some implications for us at third. Um, week two was called Engaging the World Next Door. And we had this fellow Dan Reeves, who actually has done all this mapping. Of the Richmond area, and he showed you some maps of those dots around it to actually see. This is not a. Th- this is not just theoretical. This is actual. We actually have a growing um, number of internationals around us. I was amazed when he said that um, the Muslim population in Richmond is uh, is higher than than almost. I think what what was it? What was did he say exactly? It was certainly higher than the average Muslim population in most cities across America, and is. And is predicted to triple um, in the next 10 years. It was really, really amazing to me. Um, he also, I think, introduced this wonderful concept of marginality, um, that the church is, like Jesus, is always called to be pushing out to the margins, finding the people that are not often seen and known by the dominant culture, and seeking to engage those people with the gospel, which I thought was a really beautiful concept for us. And then last week, David Bailey was here teaching us about cross-cultural relationships in Christ. David began to drill a little deeper to what are some practical steps that we can take to both understand our own cultural formation, but also how we can constructively engage um, and move from being a homogenous community to one that more faithfully reflects shalom. And he talked about how this is gonna require some really difficult work of cultural intelligence and developing cross-cultural skills and the difficult work of reconciliation and deepening relationships. Um, So this final week, um, we are going to try to make this as practical as possible, um, especially as it relates to our relationship with the Christian Arabic church. I can tell you as, as the lead pastor here, as I sort of look into the future, the next three to five years, and I sort of think about what are some ways that we are going to put some of these practices um, to work about cultural diversity and cultural reconciliation, I can think of sort of, I think of it in sort of three layers. For, for, that we might put this into practice. Um, the first layer is just in your personal relationships. Um, how are you going to intentionally reach out across culture um, to form relationships and friendships with other people? That's So I think about that first on a very personal level. Second, I think of it as a sort of a, what, what I'll call a parish level. You know as a church that we're moving to think about our church more about parishes that we're going to be Every one of you, hopefully within about a year, is going to be within one of maybe 10 parishes all around Richmond. And so I think it will be the task of each parish to think about who are the people on the margins in our parish? What are the culture groups? What are the international groups reflected in our parish? And how might we better form relationships uh, with people in our parish? So that's the second level. And then the third level is who we are here at Forest Avenue. And that level is really thinking about a relationship with the Christian Arabic church that God has given us this gift of being in close, literally close confines uh, in this building, in this small convoluted building that we're in, um, with this vibrant church um, that is Arabic-speaking, and we feel called as a church to deepen our relationship with the Christian Arabic church, and I am happy to say that they feel called to also deepen our relationship with us. We you know, we sort of went through a, a phase about the last six months where, you know, in like dating, when you're like, well, I really like you, but I'm not sure if you really like me and want to take this to the next level. And so we kind of said like, are you ready to kind of take this to the next level? And then they were like, yeah, we kind of want to too. Do you? And, so, and then we, so we're like at the place now. We're ready to take it to the next level. Um, but we're now sort of beginning to kind of figure out what that level is going to be. And so I want to introduce to you my brother in Christ. Fellow pastor and dear friend, Fakhri Yaqub. So, Fakri, if you wouldn't come up. And Fakri and I are going to um, mm. have a uh, conversation together. Um, and I think before we talk, there's just a short clip that Fakri wanted um, to play. Is that right? Okay. Okay. We'll have to play it later. Sorry, brother. Okay, uh- do you want to? Do you want to try? I think
2: Tom, you were trying to turn on these projectors with the same remote control for that one, but there's a different remo- uh, remote for these two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: can help. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, okay. we w- maybe maybe Fakri, uh, Fakri, and I are just gonna have a conversation. We would love for you. For you, I want you all because I know many of you don't know Fakri very well, or maybe you have never even seen him before. Um, and I just wanted you to get to know Fakri a little bit, and so I'm gonna ask him some questions about himself and about the church, and also about a lot of the ministry that they do, especially among the immigrant and refugee populations. So, Fakhri, maybe you could just begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a pastor of the Christian Arabic Church, how you came to be in Richmond.
2: Okay. Um, first, my name is Fakhri. Fakhri. Yes. Fakhri. That, that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's close enough. Um,
1: (Laughter) My name is Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: just yes. kidding. Yeah. <laughs>
3: uh, okay.
2: Well, in Arabic, Corey is someone who's from Korea. Oh, great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, we'll um, have to clarify that we um, <laughs> get to know. I, I'm married,
2: uh, Taragi, uh, and we have three children Emily, 19, Abigail, 16, and Joel, 7. And I became a pastor three years before I was born. Uh, (laughs) Theoretically, uh, I had an older older, uh, brother, uh, was the first uh, born, male born in the family. And if you know about the Middle Eastern culture, you know how important that is. And uh, one day, uh, there was a revival in our church. Um, And the custom was uh, each family invite the uh, guest speakers and singers for uh, lunch and that day was our family's turn to host the uh, guests in our home for lunch and um, uh, in that particular day while they were preparing lunch, that child was sick and he passed away while they were preparing lunch for the church guests. My grandmother uh, who was a a pastor's daughter thought you know, we won't let this ruin our uh, festival uh, and and celebration for the uh, Guests. So she told them, no one wear black, no one uh, cry or weep or do anything. Uh, just let us celebrate the guests, and then after they leave, you can do whatever you want. And she did just that. They came, had lunch, and you know, if uh, you visited with us, we like to sing and clap and do some noise. Um, <laughs> and and they did that uh, kind of a festive uh, lunch. And uh, the, our church pastor felt there is something wrong going on in the uh, uh, Atmosphere around, and he asked my grandmother what is going on. And she said, The, the child that, that God gave us, he took it, he took him again this morning. And um, uh, they were concerned, how, how can we do this while you have a, a, a child? Uh, uh, and it's, not, it's not even buried yet. And one of the pastors prayed with them and he said, uh, I want to tell you this God will give you uh, three children, three boy, three boy children. And the first one will become a pastor. And I was the first one. Hmm. So I grew up uh, wanting to be anything, no offense, (laughs) 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 anything. And did your parents tell you this growing up? uh, You were going to be a pastor. uh, uh, My parents, my grandmom, uh, the elders in the chairs, uh, Sunday school teachers, the pastors, (laughs) everyone uh, uh, was was telling me this, you you know, you're going to be a pastor. I said, no. (laughs) I want to be anything but uh, a pastor. Thank goodness but you were
1: Presbyterian. <laughs> yes. You were predestined. Uh, and, yeah.
2: <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and how did you come to be in the United States and to be in Richmond?
2: Um, after I finished seminary, I was ordained as a chaplain in the uh, Evangelical Seminary in Cairo. And uh, the previous chaplain came to Richmond to do his uh, PhD at Union Seminary. He started to get affiliated with some Egyptians and Arabs, and he thought that if uh, the presbytery could invite the pastors they could start a, a ministry among immigrants from the Middle East and he contacted the presbytery and the presbytery um, uh, agreed to do that and he said well you, you came after me in the uh, seminary why you don't come after me here to Richmond mm-hmm. and I was engaged to Taragi at this time it took us a long time to pray and discern and when we felt that this is God's call for us uh, we came here we didn't know what we are up, you know, up to what we're going to do, uh, it took us some time to get adjusted ourselves and, and uh, learn from God what, what, here we are, what, what we should do. Hmm. It took us almost two years. And uh, I, I remember the first uh, uh, meeting, we gathered some Egyptians and Arab, we had six people.
1: This is here in, in Richmond?
2: It was here in Richmond. Yeah. And uh, th- this was disappointing to us. You know, We left everything. We left families. We left uh, friends. We left life. And... We, we have just six people, and uh, God started to show us. He, he wants us to um, get out and uh, help people in their daily daily needs and problems, and uh, not to wait for them to come to the church, but to take the church out to them in their life and um, try to uh, bring Jesus to where they are, hmm. instead of waiting for them to come to church and we preach them and teach them about Jesus.
1: So you started with six, and now on a Sunday, average Sunday night, you probably have Couple hundred people in the sanctuary? If you, if you count
2: the children and youth, yes, we have about uh, 200 people. Uh, on, on the record, we have about 155 members, but mm-hmm. the average attendance on Sunday evening worship is about 200.
1: So tell us a little bit about what's going on in the life of the church. What are, you, what are the things you're really excited about that you see God doing? What are the challenges?
2: Well, that you um, see? We, we receive new families all the time from uh, the Middle East. We also receive requests to, to help from other immigrant groups, not just uh, from the Middle East or Arab countries, um, we have, God has given us lots of opportunities to reach out to people and share the gospel with them in, in very um, unusual ways. Uh, for instance, um, uh, I go to uh, courts a lot uh, to help people uh, translate. Don't get me wrong. I... <laughs>
1: <laughs> not for yourself. Uh, I, yeah, to I, help I, I go to translate. Yeah.
2: And one time I went to, um, uh, to translate with a family, from Egypt, who had uh, uh, some, some family issues. And uh, the judge said, um, the only way to not to send this man to jail is to get the anger management course. And because he doesn't speak English, he can't take the anger, man- anger management course. So uh, you said you're a pastor, and if you want to help him, can you develop and offer an anger management course for him in Arabic? And I said, well, you're punishing him or me? (laughs) I didn't do anything wrong. But but I said, yes, I will do it. It took me a few months to to develop the course. um, And I offered the course uh, for this man. And then uh, a few months later, I received an email from the clerk saying that uh, judge wants you to to offer this course for for another man from Saudi Arabia. Uh, Can you do it? I said, well, yes, I will do it. This man called me. His name was Khaled. And Khaled said, uh, Judge said, you have two options. To uh, go to church and take the anger management course in Arabic or go to jail. And I said, what did you do? He said, I said, I go to church.
1: And he was Muslim, right? Muslim from
2: Saudi Arabia. And Khaled came. We uh, used to meet every Wednesday uh, in my office upstairs. And uh, he noticed that lots of um, things going on on Wednesday. A lot of um, Arabic-looking, Middle Eastern-looking, kids and people uh, around. He said, what they are doing? I said, there is a tutoring and ESL class here that uh, some of our American friends from this church offered for, for the uh, immigrant uh, community. And he said, how much did uh, they uh, charge for this? I said, nothing. It is free. He said, what? Why, why they are they doing this? I said, well, this is something to show God's love. God loves us and asked us to show his love to others. And this is one of the ways is to help people who are in need. And he started to come uh, every Wednesday and, uh, and instead of um, uh, uh, doing the anger, man- anger management course, we did uh, Bible study. <laughs> did you tell the judge? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Khalid became very interested to know more about the gospel and the uh, story of Jesus because he said, this is different from all what I learned about uh, Christians and Christianity. And uh, I, I, I changed everything I had in mind about uh, you Christians and uh, uh, Christianity. And, uh, and coming this March, I will offer the course for three people: one from Egypt, one from Saudi Arabia, one from Iraq, and all are Muslims. Hmm. Will come here to church, and, and I tell them for I anger paste, management. Yes, I tell them <laughs> with Fakri. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I tell them I paste this course on the uh, gospel, and uh, because hmm. the, there are lots of uh, wonderful teachings from this. Great great uh, teacher called Jesus about how to deal with anger and how to be in a better relationship with our um, spouses, with our children, with our neighbors, with everyone around mm. us. And, mm. um, so this is one of the ways that Jesus himself opened the door for us to uh, share the gospel. This would be impossible for me, for instance, while, uh, while I was in Egypt, to share the gospel with someone from Saudi Arabia or even Egyptian, uh, uh, Muslim Egyptians in, in Egypt, but God mm. is, is bringing them to us here, mm. and now uh, bringing them to our church for different reasons to hear mm. the gospel.
1: Mm. I mean, it's it's. I really want you all to, to know this, that this is something that's truly remarkable about the way that the Christian Arabic church lives out the gospel and something that we can really learn from as a church. Um, I mean, you, you all have gotten famous, really, for the ways that you serve new immigrant community families that are coming in so much so that you get called. All the, I mean, so sometimes I'll call you and you'll say, oh, I'm at uh, the airport picking up a new family or, or I'm, I'm in the, someone donated us a s- bunch of furniture and I'm hauling it in, in the back of my pickup truck and all the time you all are now getting calls yes, helping we, we, immigrants we've been assimilate. Around, into, we've been
2: around in Richmond for yeah. uh, 20 years and we've been a third uh, since October 1999 and a lot of people start to hear about this ministry. Even in the Middle East, people call us from other countries, say, we want to, uh, we, we got a, an immigration or refugee uh, visa to the United States, and we heard about your ministry. We want to come to Richmond. Can you help us? And sometimes people call here from uh, different countries and say, we heard that you can help us to find a job, uh, uh, help us to fill an application uh, for uh, Walmart or uh, something like that, uh, help us to... Um, uh, admit our children to school or uh, help us to get furniture or housing. Mm. And we would try to, you know, help to the best of our resources. Uh, anyone, whether Muslim, uh, Christian, uh, Presbyterian or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and many of these families are... by, by the
2: way, talking about Presbyterians, when I first came, the first Presbytery meeting I attended, uh, one pastor told me, when did you become a uh, Christian? So I wanted to brag about my background. I said, I'm a fourth-generation Presbyterian. He said, oh, I didn't know that Muslims have Presbyterians.
1: (laughs) 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 This is just, I mean, this is one of those things where you just have to say, on behalf of all white people, I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs)
1: You remember how, I mean, seriously, this is actually a great lesson. You remember how in the first week we talked about how so often people confuse religion with culture, and so often, and, 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 and actually in Islam, there is a great wedding of culture and religion, so much so that the only way to faithfully practice Islam is to actually study the Quran in Arabic, but what makes the gospel so unique is that it is culturally transcendent, so that it becomes embodied and manifested in unique, particularly cultural ways in diverse cultures, but when you don't understand that, sometimes you say dumb things like what this guy said to you, so sorry about that. <laughs> okay. um, so we'd love to hear a little bit about your culture. Um, I think that we're part of the reason we're doing this is because we want to grow in our cultural intelligence, we want to grow in our cultural awareness, um, and there's a, a lot of big differences between Western culture. And Eastern culture, and specifically between Western culture and Arabic culture, and between Western culture and Egyptian culture, and so can you help teach us a little bit? Um, I think you have some videos. Are those yes. ready to play? Is that right? Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, we can do first one, then uh, pause, and then they do a sec- second one.
3: Something, Something else, else Middle Eastern, Eastern people do, which I love. So if you guys don't have any Middle Eastern friends, make some tonight, because Middle Eastern people always fight over the bill. <laughs> now I know some white people are like, well, we do that. No, you guys fight the other way. You're not, you're not hearing me. <laughs> Correct. You guys are like, you pay. I paid last time. It is your turn. You, your turn. Middle Eastern is like, please, let me know. You are not allowed. Your card is no good here. Me, 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 me. Even if they don't want to pay, like, me, me. I hate my culture, but I have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> don't even like you, but I have to pay for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful, that's a great tradition. So go out of Middle Eastern people, you'll never pay again, all right? <laughs> my dad taught me that. My dad loves to fight for the bill and pay. But you know who else likes to do that? His brother, my uncle. So when they eat together, somebody gets hurt when the bill comes. Because <laughs> they're fighting each other, right? They, 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 they're fighting like, no, me, 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 I'm like, you guys, it's, it's McDonald's, let me pay, please. <laughs> We're scaring everybody here. So it gets really competitive, because they've been doing this, fighting over the bill, for six decades. Can you imagine? They have gotten artistic with fighting over the bill. Like, the first time I remember, specifically, as they got older, they're getting even better at it, even smarter. The bill didn't even come. <laughs> My uncle was upset. He goes, where, where is, where, excuse me, where's the bill? She goes, oh, no, 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 he paid when he walked in. <laughs> That is it's so cool, just give the credit card when you walk in, like I don't care what it costs, I'm paying. And my uncle was depressed until the next time they could go out and eat again. He doesn't like to lose. The next time we go to eat, the bill doesn't come again. My dad goes, I was watching you. You didn't pay when we walked in, where's the bill? My uncle goes, I called in my credit card. card. That's how you do it, just call it in. Four, one, three, two, five, six. No, I don't care what the price is. Please, let me, please. please. So this is amazing, because my dad, he was walking around depressed for like the next month, because my uncle wasn't around, and he'd been beaten, and he's just, he was just a very downtrodden man. And the next time we went to eat, finally, I, I got to be here. I got to see what happens. And sure enough, my dad's sitting there, legs crossed, staring, angry, the way most of you looked at me this entire evening. Just. Even though it's my special, we don't care. Make us laugh, it's your job. My dad is sitting there and the bill comes. He forgets to reach for it. My uncle grabs it, I beat you. Two in a row. My dad just sits there, right? He just sits there. And my uncle gave the credit card and the lady walked away. And then the lady came back. She looked at my uncle and said, sir, your credit card isn't working. My uncle looked at my dad and goes, what did you do? (laughs) Without missing me, my dad goes, I canceled your credit card. (laughs) You beat me twice, but I win third time every time. Thanks.
2: (laughs) So what
1: what does that say to us? uh,
2: (laughs) Well, I I think the um, uh, first thing is, uh, Middle Eastern culture in general are big about hospitality, Mm. and uh, extending uh, generosity to people even they don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And and this has even been in the um, uh, biblical culture, in the Old and New Testament, about uh, people in the Middle East hosting people like Abraham. uh, Mm. uh, Three people coming, uh, he didn't know, he didn't recognize, but he offered to, you know, host him for a meal. And in and, and the book of Hebrews says, well, do such things because, like that, you could be hosting angels without mm. knowing. And this has been something uh, uh, biblical and culture uh, uh, rooted in the Middle Eastern uh, uh, people. Mm. Uh, another thing is, uh, well, let me say something negative about the uh, Middle Eastern culture that we are very bad about time. Um, <laughs> uh, when you, when you, um, uh, Gave a time to someone from the Middle East, and he say, "I will be there in five minutes." Uh, don't think that uh, five minutes is five minutes, uh, sixty seconds each. Five minutes is a unit, uh, is a time unit. Mean, I will be there sometime. time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it could be from uh, half an hour to an hour or two, uh, or or if uh, if you say, "I'm coming soon." It's like Jesus Christ. He said, "I'm coming soon." <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it has been two thousand years. <laughs>
1: Although a year is like a day, so yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: um, but but in, in, uh, like we've been talking about before, with with uh, Middle Eastern, they they are uh, more um, uh, toward. Uh, Relationships than keeping time like like if, if we are visiting with each other and we were talking and we we're having a good time And I have an appointment in five minutes. I would rather stay in uh, fellowship with this uh, people I'm visiting mm. th- rather than uh, keeping the um, uh, Next appointment the schedule. Yeah, yeah uh, which is something I
1: think we I think is in a, in a especially in white American culture um, is difficult for us to understand people who value tight schedules and punctuality, and I think it's important for us to understand what may be the undergirding values behind cultural practices. So if something happens where you're supposed to show up at a meeting with Fakhri and he's 30 minutes late or three hours late or whatever <laughs> it might be, and you might say this is showing that he's not valuing the schedule, in reality, Fakhri might be deeply valuing relationships um, someone that he's seeking to help so one of the ways that we can better understand each other is understanding the values that are beneath the cultural practices yes,
2: and and also with our children. We're trying to um, uh, Find something like and we can do this with each other is find something in common instead of fighting over which culture is better uh, our children is telling us the American culture is better than yours and we're telling them the Egyptian culture culture is better than yours and and uh, um, what we're trying to teach our children, especially in the church, that it's it's neither the American culture or the Egyptian culture. We should have uh, uh, and, and live by a different culture. It's the, the biblical culture, uh, which is something common everywhere. If we can find mm. that uh, mm. and how can we live by the uh, culture uh, in, in the uh, word of God, that would be uh, better for all. Mm. Mm.
1: Well, um let me ask you, let me jump jump to the end there because we're kind of running out of time, but as you think about our future relationship together as two churches, Third and Christian Arabic Church, what are what are your hopes for us as a church, for Third, I mean, and what I'd like you to speak as, as directly as, as possible. Sure. <laughs> what, what do you want us to know? What do you want us to understand? What, what do you hope for from us?
2: Well, first, um, let me say this. We are... Really uh, uh, and deeply appreciate what Third is doing uh, with us, and uh, even even thinking about doing more with the uh, uh, larger community, uh, with people that different from from the, this congregation. You didn't have to do any of this, but you're doing it because you want to extend God's grace and uh, uh, mercy to to everyone and uh, uh, embody the real meaning of what the church should be. The church should be the members of uh, uh, the body of Jesus Christ from all nations, all tribes, all uh, languages, all backgrounds. And um, um, uh, for third to be thinking about even uh, deepening this relationship is, is a wonderful thing that we really uh, receive, received with uh, a great uh, appreciation. Um, I think together with the changing world, with the changing uh, uh, demographic, uh, uh, demographics around us, uh, there are lots of things that we can share with each other. That with lots of things we can do uh, mm-hmm. together, and lots of things that we can learn from each other on how to uh, better reach out and uh, fulfill God's purpose for us together. Mm. Uh, and I think um, there are many things that that uh, uh, Christian Arabic Church can be an arm for there to, to do it, like like uh, reaching out to the larger. Uh, uh, population of immigrants and refugees in our community, and we heard that they are increasing in numbers, and they will increase in number in the future, and um, for, for some people, and uh, let me say this, for some people, this is an, uh, an, a problem, you know, but for us as a church, it should be an opportunity. Uh, as I said, well, lots of these immigrant groups, we couldn't have dreamed about sending missions and missionaries to their countries and mm-hmm. share the gospel with them and give them the good news. Well, here they are. They came here. Uh, it was impossible uh, 15, 20 years ago to send a missionary to Saudi Arabia. Guess what? Saudi Arabia, the government, finance uh, 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 their students and send them here to VCU so we can give them the gospel. <laughs> so... We, we, I'm, I'm
1: pretty sure that wasn't what they <laughs> no. said the financing was for, but... but, but yeah.
2: But this is what happened, and a lot of people have changed and have, you know, come to Christ through uh, ministries here in, in Richmond. Uh, we don't have time to share about testimonies, but lots of people, uh, I know personally that came to Christ uh, through ministry that uh, reached out to uh, those people that, that God sent to our uh, neighborhood. Mm. Um, this is one thing that the Christian Arabic church can help there, is to reach out to more uh, Arabic and I mean uh, immigrant and uh, refugee populations, not just the Arabs, not just the Middle Easterners, but the uh, whole immigrant and refugee population mm. in, in our uh, area. Uh, third, and on the other side, can help the Christian Arabic church um, uh, to, to, to um, direct their um, ministries where, where, where needed most, and also help us with some resources that, that can uh, um, make our ministry effective. Um, One of the questions we skipped is the the difficulties and issues uh, we face Uh, recently. It's been very difficult to find housing for new immigrants and refugees. It's becoming almost close to impossible to rent an apartment for new families. Uh, Landlords and uh, leasing uh, companies are changing their regulations. This didn't have anything to do with the new administration. Uh, It it started in 2015 and then 16 and getting worse in, in 2017. Um, and and now we need we, you know I, I reached out to mm-hmm. you and you um, contacted Jennifer Jennifer Periam to help us. How can we uh, address this problem and solve this issue to help people get settled in our community?
1: Mm. Well, I was hoping that maybe we could just each briefly pray for each other's churches. Please. Is that is that? Okay, would you be willing to do that? I'll pray in Arabic. Okay, and I'll pray in English. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you will. Father, um, thank you so much for our brother Fakhri. We're so grateful for him and his example to us and the example of the Christian Arabic Church to us. We do pray that you would let this church flourish and that we would flourish together uh, in the years to come. I pray for them in Jesus' name.
2: يا رب أنا بصلي من أجل إرشاد بالروح القدس يا رب للأيام الجاية علشان نحقق قصدك ونحقق مشيئتك ونحقق يا رب فكرك من نحو وجودنا في هذه البلد علشان نوصل رسالة الإنجيل لكل شخص محتاج إليها سواء كان أمريكي أو عربي أو مهاجر أو لاجئ علشان يكون اسم ابنك يسوع المسيح بيتمجد في وسطين يا رب ببارك الراع وبرك الراعي الكنيسة وبارك الكل خادم في الكنيسة في اسم المسيح نصليه لكل المجد أمين
1: أمين أمين Thank you, Fakri. Thank you. Um, what we're going to do now is in, in your seat are two cards. And I want to invite you. Um, one of the things that we regret about the last few weeks is that we've had very little time for questions. And so if you have a question, um, we'd love for you to write a question on one of those cards. The, the, there's two cards. One is for something else later. But if you want to write a question that you have on a card. And um, in, in the meantime, while you're writing, my friend Uday Balasaduram, sorry, I just butchered your last name. Come on up, Uday. Um, is just going to reflect for a few minutes. Uday's been with us this weekend. Uday has a PhD in intercultural studies from Asbury uh, Theological Seminary. He's been with us here for the Makers Weekend. And Uday has been a pastor in India, in the United States. He's also an amazing musician. He helped write the score for that movie Slumdog Millionaire, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, but he's also an expert in intercultural communities. And so I asked Uday just to respond to what he has seen here, and especially what he sees as the potentials between the Christian Arabic church um, and third church. And so as he's doing that, if you have a question, write it on your card and just raise the card in, your, in the air, and um, Jennifer and Ron Klip will be collecting those. All right? Uday.
4: Well, I'll give Corey an eight on the name pronunciation. That was pretty good, Corey. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, just to clarify, I mean, yes, I, um, I did work in the Bollywood film industry for uh, several years, and I did work with A.R. Rahman, who was, uh, I started working with him before he converted Islam, and about the same time he converted Islam, Christ found me. And uh, I, I worked with him, but I didn't work with him on the score of Salam Dog, that was before. I worked with him like in the, for 10 years preceding that, but <clears throat> just to clarify. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, the one in the limelight, and, uh, but, but um, significant. I mean, one of the, oh, just backing up a little bit. Uh, firstly, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Corey, for inviting me to just be part of this uh, ongoing uh, discussion. Uh, I have to say, and really, I'm mean, enjoying with Corey and, uh, you know, Pastor Fakhri and with all of you uh, here in this room that, uh, for being willing to be in this space to discern uh, what is God's will for us as we look forward to that final picture of every nation, tribe, tongue, language, you know, before the throne of God, you know, united in song. And it's amazing that it's in these kind of Hebrew, you know, 1222 kind of moments, you know, where the diversity of all God's creation uh, is in its most vibrant, uh, um, you know, location right here in the, where, you know, the past and present converge in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. So I just want to affirm uh, you all for, for just being in this process. I mean, I'm not sure if I can add much because, I mean, all of you, I mean, I looked up back at some of the notes uh, you all have taken and some of the teachings that's been going on in the trajectory, of course, of uh, the, of this church and, you know, the teachings uh, and the sermons that I've had. I just had a chance to briefly look at this, just, just wonderful. Uh, I'm so encouraged, actually, uh, to see, to see what, uh, to see this happening and be part of this. So. Uh, as, uh, as we think about diversity, just even over the weekend at the Makers series, you know, we got a chance to look at uh, the place of diversity in the creative nature of who our creator God is. And one of the things that strikes me is that uh, in order for us to be truly and wholly creative, uh, diversity is the core factor. In fact, no diversity, no creativity. It's the other way around, you know. Uh, Because most often we think, let's be creative and go reach, you know, and then we go out and mission two model, you know, let's reach the people out there. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Spirit inhabit a very core kind of diversity that is kind of essential. So uh, the locus for our creativity as the body of Christ is uh, the diversity of the community of the Trinity. You know, and so I just want to just affirm that in terms of uh, the way in which this discussion is being carried out for laying the foreground for that. The context of why we are having this discussion is not some grand thoughts of, uh, yeah, sure, cultural reconciliation and the larger political scenario and immigration and all these things. But praise God, we are bringing about the kingdom of God over here. So thank you for for being part of that. The second thing is... uh, um, you know on a personal basis you know the fact that you're having these conversations and hosting these gatherings and now uh, you know the the model that you all are piloting in terms of parishes going out and being you know uh what does the margins not only look like as a macro community but in smaller communities let's seek out these margin margin spaces where the salt is being formed between the river and the sea you know what does it look like over there to be in those spaces Having and legitimizing that unlawful desire that Peter talks about, you know, in Acts 10, you know, his uh, second conversion experience, you know, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm a Jew, but if you really want me to have this desire for meeting with somebody, a Gentile, who is kind of not holy and, you know, doesn't eat me? I mean, you just so different, so other, you know? but making it lawful to have that uh, unlawful desire to cross that and transgress those boundaries and laws, you know, uh, so, so that's, uh, that can be challenging because uh, after all, we, we know that while in one sense, you know, diversity is great and cultural diversity is an ideal that we aspire to and want to live into, uh, diversity is not a value-free zone, right? A lot of times, you know, we, 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 uh, well, we have to ask the question, well whose idea of diversity are we talking about over here, right? And that's why more than any ideal or end that we aspire to, it's these very moments that we uh, construct of an ongoing process of dialogue and it's a cumulative process of interaction, you know? Creating spaces for us to be uh, strategically inauthentic, right? As well as authentic culturally, now what do I mean by strategic inauthenticity? Uh, I, I didn't come up with that phrase, by the way. It's been used by cultural theorists, but it, it refers to this whole idea of when we tend to be in a culturally diverse, especially for something like we have here in North America, right? So a lot of times when I'm called to lead worship, it says, "Hey, okay, you're the international guy. You, you know, make sure when you come in, and then when I come with my guitar and do something, like that hang on, why don't you wear some Indian clothing and play some Indian music and, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm like, man, I grew up in deep purple and, you know, rock and (laughs) roll, I mean, that's my culture now, you know? So whose idea of diversity are we living into, right? And so what we really need to do is uh, not only uh, watch out for this whole essentializing, right? Okay, now you're Arabic, now be Arabic, you know, in some sense, because that validates my interaction with you. <laughs> you know? It's like, and so I think we need to uh, be aware of that and also guard against these spaces where we are really essentializing. But, but what we, uh, the, the real gift that I think we have now is in these uh, inauthentic spaces, so to speak, very strategic in the context of uh, hybridity. You know, in one sense, hybridity, especially for our second generation and third generation kids and all, hybridity is in some way the new authenticity. You know, and just being okay with that. You know, it's fine. I'm going to preach in English, I'm going to play rock music, and you know, if you want to do it in Hindi or do something, that's fine, that's great. Right? So what we want to do is, between the whole idea of indigenous, you know, uh, and suppose we have this cosmopolitan or world global identity that, you know, we, do, we don't know what we're talking about, but a lot of Americans, uh, especially white Caucasians that I speak to in North America, a lot of people feel that they don't have roots, right? And I just want to affirm you, people of God, you know, that you, you do have roots, you do have very rich cultural traditions and perspectives that matter. Because now we are in an era where it's not only roots, but shoots also that are equally valid. And so the kind of reproductive growth that we want to see happening like through these parishes models and all the things is a rhizomic kind of growth, right? Not only roots that go deep down, but when I say rhizomic growth, I mean the the sort of multiplicative reproductive growth that happens when roots, roots go down and go lateral ways. And it comes up over there. So you see in some other field somewhere, it's the same root, where, but it's the, you know, it's the same plant, but looks and may taste different. And, but it's a kind of lateral outspreading kind of rhizomic growth rather than deep down, right? Because we're always uh, wanting to value that deep down traditions. But what happens to those deep grown traditions and customs and cultures in the context of diversity and rampant reorganization of our cultural boundaries and, you know, values and all those kinds of things. Can we value shoots as well as a way for developing new relationships, strategic, inauthentic places to be and allow space for mutual uh, hybridity to flourish as a valid thing? You see? So, so those are some of the things. So, moving forward, I mean, I think, uh, you know, what I love about this uh, dialogue is uh, this is a great opportunity for us to kind of zero in. And I don't have that paper with me, but I looked at some of the things you've uh, outlined in the past in terms of personal and uh, what does this mean for people? What does this mean for places? What does this mean for relationships? Uh, and I would, I would highly encourage you, right, to, to bring all of that together in terms of a covenant. What would this look like for the, to start with, just for example, even if we go with the Arabic church and, you know, the larger dominant church over here, what would it look like to model a covenant way in which to, uh, to be in relationship with one another? As a people of God, for example, we respect one another's cultures, we respect our differences, and we respect our and we look forward to same. I'm just coming up with things, right? That you, uh, that this is the work of the body, right? That we need to enact and allow, validate, and to do it legitimately in our spaces of worship to come up with these kind of statements that will reaffirm who we are. Like we have in our companies and corporations, we have a standard operating procedures, right? What that means in biblical terms is a covenant <laughs> where God is the major partner, Right? Uh, let him direct that. So I just want to uh, lay that as a suggestion. Continue to, you know, uh, as we kind of move towards this, and how we see this uh, kind of uh, spinning out is this whole idea of creating new spaces of flows, you know, between uh, uh, between these cultural interactions and these kind of uh, activities of di- diverse natures. So what this means is. Allowing uh, open and honest dialogue. I love this idea of questions and all that and answers. Uh, this is ideal perfect uh, But you're allowing for the crisscrossing of what I call post-colonial currents now that uh, I'm sorry to sound too academic, but <laughs> but it's one way of saying it so for example uh, What I what I mean by post-colonial It's it's just that now as a immigrant right and even as uh, North Americans now here there's this overarching kind of hermeneutic of suspicion that kind of filters how I perceive you and how you perceive me. And we get that hermeneutic of suspicion right in India when I was applying for a visa you meant to stand outside the walls wait you know for one hour. I mean I see some South Asians here who may have been through that process you know and the uh, the guy behind the glass window is kinda looking at the papers and and his um, his direction is you're, you're basically guilty unless you can prove yourself innocent over here, you know, right? So we are coming here into this country with that kind of of suspicion, right? And now, from what you're hearing about the very real-world problem of the rental spaces, now we're going to, wow, this is, this is so great to hear that proclaimed over here and that you're able to receive that and talk about it with one another because that's where the rubber meets the road now. Because now you and I, us together, right, the dominant uh, uh, minority and the, and the majority, right, the colored uh, majority for, for lack of a better phrase, the world is going, to have, is going to be looking at you and me now as the church to model for them how do you cross these spaces in these real-world situations. And then the government was going to come to you all and say, hey, What you've been doing here is so awesome. Can you teach us how to do that? Right? It's like the anger management course. (laughs) So, so I just want to encourage you all um, to, as these, as we create these spaces uh, of flow, you know, these new spaces, to allow yourself uh, two things. One is abstraction, and one is appropriation. Now, in cultural terms, what does that mean? It means that I will take what I think you are doing, right? Suppose I'm like a South Asian Indian, different culture, language, and all that, and I say, hey, man, these white guys, you know, they, I mean, I also like it, and, but it's not really fitting, so let me, let me just take the sermon format. Let me take their clothes. Let me do it, and I'm going to abstract it all, put it in a pot, mix it, and make it my own. I'm going to reappropriate your technologies to serve my culture and needs. And you do the same thing. So we need to create these spaces for what they call mimesis, right? For, for copying each other, right? Because then, in that kind of uh, activity, so when we host our liturgies, our worship services, are great places for putting on this show of, uh, you know what, yeah, in uh, my... In my uh, conceptualization of space and time is entirely and radically different, but I'm going to try and conform uh, to this new cultural practice that we're coming up with to enact a new reality over here. This is not normal for me to come here at 9 o'clock and wear a suit, right? I mean, I I don't do that every day. (laughs) But I'm going to do it now because I'm abstracting and reappropriating it. And then it's fun when you do what I do and I do what you do, and we plan for it and do it, you know, in a in a very intentional manner. You dress Indian, you do that, and I will wear your American clothes and speak in English, you know? <laughs> and these are cultural practices and traditions to, to, to put in place as regular things that we can visit and you prepare and plan for these things as a city and as a nation, right? And uh, these are some of the ways in which we can build into our, uh, our, our, uh, our, I- our um, identity, so these mnemonic devices, ways in which to remember who we are, whose we are, and where we are going. So yeah, I mean, so, so those are a few thoughts. And I think my time might be up also. So hope it was helpful. Thank you. <laughs> That's brother.
1: Okay, so um, I'm aware of the time, so are you. Um, I'm so sorry, but here is what I'm committed to you to do. I, what, we're, what we'll are we do is we will go through all of the questions that you have written out and we'll group them, um, and then I will work with the team, the Working Group Five, to answer all of your questions in written form, and I'll post them online and include them in my weekly email to you, because I really, really want to honor the fact that you haven't had appropriate time to ask questions, and I really want to answer them well. So I will commit to do that. Um, I can't promise you that I'll do it this week, but (laughs) but we'll do my very best to get those to you as soon as possible. Um, With the other card, here's what I'd love for you to do. Um, Ron is handing out, and Paul are handing out, um, some handouts. And with the other card, I I just want you to consider what one thing are you going to do in response to what you've learned these last four weeks. Um, You know, Presbyterians are famous for thinking that if we just have understood something, then we have done it. Um, But that's not true. (laughs) We can understand something and yet not act on it. And so let's, let's not be like that. Let's actually do something. And so this handout that you're receiving is just a list of possible things that you might do in response, ranging from everything from going to the Erebon conference that David Bailey has been pushing um, us to attend in March, to coming as a volunteer, there's some the information about the Erebon conference, to um, coming out to volunteer at Wednesday night ESL or tutoring, um, to reading one of the books that we've suggested on that handout. But I'd like you to do this even before you leave today, before you walk out of this room, just write on that card one thing um, that you are going to do in response to what you've heard. So let me, let me pray for us, um, and then um, I do hope that you'll just take even 30 seconds to write something on that card, um, and I will be in touch as we talk about follow, follow-ups. I do want to tell you um, and ask for your prayer that five, about five people from the Christian Arabic Church and Third have formed a new team of discernment, and these 10 people, plus me and Fakri, are going to be working together to discern how are we going to partner together um, as churches in the years ahead. So I would ask you to be in prayer uh, for, those, for that team. Let me pray. Father, thank you for all that we have learned together about your vision for the diverse humanity that you've created to be reconciled and united around Jesus. In the gospel of grace. Um, Lord, there is just so much, too much to cover. um, And I pray, God, for each one of us that we would be able to follow through on this in the way that you would call us to. um, Help us to take seriously what we've learned about and to really um, respond to it, at least in one particular concrete way. So we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness to us. And we pray uh, that you would lead us forward um, in this new territory that we are now living in. Um, May we see your gospel flourish among the nations. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.